Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Now, if you are a woman who is overworked, overstressed, and overwhelmed, then today's episode is for you because we are going to talk about why you shouldn't have to choose between success and happiness and how you can have it all without sacrificing yourself. Today, my guest is Becca Powers, who is the author of the new book, Harness Your Inner CEO. Becca is an award-winning high-tech sales executive and motivational speaker with over 20 years experience working for Fortune 500 giants such as Dell and Cisco. She has won three Salesperson of the Year awards, was responsible for a $400 million budget, a department of over 100 people and was awarded six President Clubs for overachieving sales quotas. So this woman knows busy. From growing up with musician parents who flirted with addiction to dropping out of college and becoming a single parent of two by the age of 28, Becca's guts and grits journey to success reaches beyond business. As a coach and motivational speaker, Becca now empowers women to prioritize themselves, their passions and their worth by being the CEO in their own lives that they have the power to make decisions and make their life the thriving, prosperous and joyous one they've always wanted. Her new book is fabulous. It's eye-opening at just how stressful corporate America can really be and a real inspiration of someone who was overworked to the point of illness and low self-worth to reclaiming who she was and reigniting her passions. So, Becca, I'm thrilled to welcome you to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Thank you, Jody. I'm super excited to be here. It's great. To start off with, why don't you tell us a little bit, I mean, obviously I've given a little snapshot in the intro, but a little bit more about yourself and your journey. Yes. And I would love to do that through a story, if that's okay. Of course. We love stories. Always frames it, yeah. <laughs> frames it well for the listener. So Jody, you gave me a great intro. So I think that I can spare letting everybody know about my background because I have 20 years in corporate America and have spent lots of time as a sales leader. So my story kind of stops and restarts on the bathroom floor. And so I'll explain here in, in a moment. Yep. So I back, if we rewind the clocks to 2013, I was a regional sales manager for Dell in my mid thirties. And I was feeling pretty confident and just like proud of myself. Yep. Like I got a pretty prestigious role, you know, big company, all that. Well, I'm also, as you mentioned, a very passionate person. And when I'm in, in sales leader mode, I, I'm tied into missions and I'm really big on mission mantras and things of that nature. So my mission mantra as a sales leader is people before profits. Great. Yep. And yeah. And so that's how I led come through this company comes, this new company comes and recruits me and they have a motto that's called putting people first. And I am like, wow, that is so cool. Yeah. That aligns, aligns up. Yeah. Yeah. Stars align. Yeah. I'm going. 
<laughs> you know, that's yes. just like what I was thinking. And I did go. Yeah. The How Harness Your NCO came to life starts in 2013 and then restarts in 2016. So as I go to take this job, I have to call my VP of sales who I'm terrified to <laughs> resign to because I'm like, I'm leaving him with a team of people, you know, like we're in the middle of taking on new products, just transitions. I'm yeah. like, Oh my God, they're going to not, they're going to yeah. mark me not rehirable. Like this is yes. going to be a mess. And instead I got the opposite reaction. Great. When I called to resign, he said to me, um, not only would I always have a home at Dell, but that he was proud of me for following what I felt was my calling or yeah. my mission mantra. Yeah. And he says, he's like, wow. He's like, you are the CEO of your life. Yeah. And I'm just so proud of you. Wow. And, and Jody, I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you can like recall when someone said something, like it was yeah. so powerful that you can recall the moment I yeah. can remember where I was, what the air felt like, yeah. like I can have yeah. full memory recall. It makes such an impact, sort of resonates with something in deeper down than just the normal relationship you have with that person. They, they take it to a different level. Right. And that's right. It, it took me somewhere deeper down. And so that always stayed with me. But as with a lot of things in life, you don't always take them when you first yeah. learn them. <laughs> Right. I was like, oh, yes, that's cool. But I'm just going to table that for later. So what ended up happening is I took on this role and I can say from probably like I was really excited. I got along with the leadership. I was in with their vision, but there was certain elements early on that if I was being honest with myself, then I knew it wasn't a fit. Right. Yeah. Right. And so this is where I go into this sacrifice thing and really where I encourage women to have success and happiness without the sacrifice, because I had a high sacrifice mindset and I did so for a reason. I have a blended family. I was raising two kids and two stepkids. I yeah. was the primary breadwinner. There was lots of things that didn't went into my self-sacrifice yes. mindset. But after three years of knowing that I was in the wrong role, overextending myself, working too long a days, over, over committing, yeah. overextended, yeah. Yes. all of the things I ended up with two anxiety disorders, yeah, autoimmune disease. My hair was falling out in clumps and it took hitting the bathroom floor for yeah. me to like get it. Yeah. So I came home from work one day and I don't know if you've ever had a bathroom floor moment, but a most few women, I doubt a few. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say most women, like, why is it always on the I bathroom? What you're talking we're, about. we're so sick of being in the kitchen. We're like, we're, it's probably the, like the place that everyone will actually just leave you alone. If you've got the door closed. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to the bathroom yeah. for a moment. Yeah. No big deal. So it was like, like that. It was, I had a rough day at work. I came home and it was just, I could not find it within myself to power through for one more day. That's yeah. kind of how I say it as women, we are resilient and it's one of our best qualities, but we sometimes power through situations we shouldn't. Yeah. And I go to wash my face and wash my makeup off and everything. And then I just start crying because yeah. I felt so like just done. I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And I felt like the, the floodgates open, don't they? It's just, yeah. It's the floodgates just... opened. Mm -hmm. And I did that, like call out like God universe, <laughs> I whatever, like, please, like I can't yeah. do this anymore. I need another way. And I say, that's when like my miracle happened. And it didn't come as we normally think, like in some outward, like got a new job, which eventually that happened, but it came in the form of a thought. 
And that thought was, I'm crying on the bathroom floor. So, Jody, yeah. if you could imagine this, like, you know, the tears, the brokenness, I'm yeah. on the bathroom floor. I'm like, oh, you're holding me right now. <laughs> and then that thought comes through my mind. I'm the CEO of my own life. Right. And then I think, well, if I'm the CEO of my life, why yeah. am I crying on the bathroom floor? Yeah. I've yeah. Got, I've got a lot more power in this situation than I think I have. Yeah. And it's, it's the center thought that... I rose from the floor from. Yeah. To take back control. It was like the power was back in your hands rather mm-hmm. than we just give it out to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into more of your story. We've got lots of amazing questions. As I said, your book was so, I was just enthralled by one, the stress that you went through and the journey of corporate America. And it was like, you know, I haven't been in corporate America, but I've been, in, you know, had passed in corporates. And I think so many women will be able to connect with the level of sacrifice, the level of stress we get to, the the things that are going on sometimes that we accept in inside of how people treat us or what we, you know, all those sorts of things rang through in all the stories of in your book. And I think there's so many areas that people can identify with and really see, yes, like I've put myself in those situations before or I'm in that situation. And Yes. Mm-hmm. The main story for me was coming up. I had a friend, I was in a really stressful situation and I, and I had a friend and he said to me, can you hear that? We, we were talking about something and he just stopped and said, can you hear that? And I said, no what and he's he said can't you hear that and I'm like no like we're you know we're sitting in a cafe I'm thinking what's going on and he looked absolutely eyeballed me and said the alarm bells are ringing Jody, and you are not listening and that was wow. like that was that turning point for me going even in my conversation with him the alarm bells are going off and I wasn't present to it you know and it takes that wow. s- someone else to sort of to wake up to go this is too far this is too far you've gone too far even though you're coping at the moment it's not going to last long <laughs> and right. that's what it's- happens you start having illness and your hair starts and you're thinking oh what's happening to me it's back to the stress that you've allowed to go too far and that's it it's like you know I could if I wanted to point blame, I could try to, but at the end of the day, to your point, I'm the one that allowed all of the behavior. Yes. I allowed all of it. Yeah. And that's why we've got to take back that power as the CEO, which is so great, greatly named book. I loved it. So anyway, to start with, we have a couple of questions that we ask all of our guests, just because this is the confidence podcast and we're all about confidence. So what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? What it means to me is to be able to, for me, it's to be able to authentically express myself without feeling small. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There's this piece of us that wants, that sometimes hides when we go to express ourselves, And for me, that's the confidence that would be my ideal of confidence. No, absolutely. I love it. And when do you think you're the most confident version of yourself? When I'm at work Mm -hmm. and when I'm talking about like women empowerment and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Same, same. Okay. So we're going to get into the bit more of the book. So the book maps your journey from a toxic work environment, as we've we've sort of touched on, exhausting work days. At that point, there was trouble at home and you and an emotional rock bottom where you were overworked yourself into an autoimmune disease, as you mentioned, an anxiety disorder to creating a life that you love with newfound passion and prosperity. 
you state that the life of your dream shouldn't come at an unsustainable price and that women shouldn't have to choose between success and happiness. But so many of us feel that we do. So when did you first embrace this concept of you as a CEO in your life, obviously on the on the bathroom floor, but what did what happened from that point? What did you do then? Well, I want to frame it kind of where you were just going, where I took my power back right yeah. there on the bathroom floor. I was like, I'm the one that has choice in this matter. Yes. And I don't know that I really thought about what the next day was going to look like. I just knew that it was going to be different. Right. And when I went into work the next day, I started saying no instead of yes. And that was by far probably the scariest thing that I have done because I am a people pleaser. Yes. <laughs> so many of us are. I'm like wired for people pleasing. I yeah. do find a sense or ha- especially in the past, not as much now, but found a, my sense of self-worth and the validation and approval of other people. Yes. It's just, that's what I mean. That's not sustainable. Yeah. You can't go your whole life like that. Otherwise your hair is going to start falling out. Yeah. So for me, it just started simply by it's simple, but hard saying no, like, no, I'm not taking on that extra this, or I'm not attending that meeting, or maybe it was also no at home. Like, no, I can't do soccer practice and this, it just, I needed to start getting myself back. Yeah. And it took one no at a time until I had enough space to feel myself again. Absolutely. And I think that's often a a thing in my coaching program. I mean, actually a lady I was coaching just the other day, she's a a serial people pleaser, has said yes to everything and is finding it in, in the workplace very challenging to say no to colleagues. And we were talking about how people just, it's not up to them to manage how busy you are in your schedule and your life and and your stress they're just going to ask because they're trying to delegate or they're trying you know they're and I was explaining to her they're not thinking about your whole schedule or that you know someone else from another department has already asked you to commit to you know they're not looking at that so it, it's taking that responsibility that you've got to manage that and be clear and we actually wrote out a, a whole lot of ways to say no because the actual no word is really challenging to start with sometimes especially if you're a serial yes person so there was a hot we gave her a, like a list that she put on her computer because she's she's still working from home and and I said put it on on the side of your laptop (laughs) so there's like some statements that she felt more comfortable with that wasn't just no I can't and just starting to build that new part that she felt comfortable with the words actually coming out of her mouth being able to start taking back control and putting her boundaries in place and that's a really good point because even though I think it's easier to illustrate saying no instead of yes, but it's even for me, they weren't straight no's. They were like, would you be able to ask somebody else? Like I would just kind of divert. Yes. Yes. that's what I was doing with saying no, but the words came out much different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's building a, like a new neural pathway because it, it's automatic for us to go, yes. Okay. Yes. You know, we, we've like brushing your teeth with the other hand and it's really awkward initially and it's strange. It is so awkward. But and it's practice. It's just building yeah, that practice. It's practice and it's a little painful until it's not. Yes. And I just want to share with you that and, and I did write it in the book too, but there was a point that I was not included, at, you know, in as many meetings. I wasn't, I was no longer 
once I diverted enough to other people, they got the hint and then they started not asking me anymore. And then I was like, (gasps) I'm not being involved. (laughs) I wanted to be like, I'm just kidding. I'm available. But you know, I didn't. And that's if anyone's listening and you're in that transitional period of you're just starting to use your voice and you're just starting to say no, and you're just starting to put in boundaries, keep going. Yes, It's going to be uncomfortable, but on that other side of uncomfortable, I found space. Yeah, I reconnected with myself. I was like, oh, I can feel the tension in my shoulders again and understand that it's coming from this. I was bypassing. Like I knew I was pain. I felt chronic stress, Yeah, but I was like, oh, something's wrong with me. I need to go to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. I'm not listening to what my body needs. Yes. The alarms were ringing and you're not listening, Becca. (laughs) Yes, Jody. the alarms were ringing and I was not listening. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a great point. And I think once you get to where you're saying you push through and you get to that place of space, then you can start saying yes again to things that are important or things that are really meaningful or that you really want to do or that meetings you really want to be involved in, but you you have to get there first. You have to sort of sort of strip it back a little bit before you can start adding things that do enhance your life, that do mean something to you. You are speaking my language. I'm like sitting yes. here like, yes, I just want to scream, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's even, yeah. and you know, that's why I wrote the book in the three parts of power, passion, prosperity, because it started with me having to take my power back yeah. and just letting that space develop. And then once I had more space and time to know me again, I was like, what is it that I want? Yes. What is it that lights me up? What fires me up? What brings me life? Yeah, And like, it did include some yoga, but it also included, you know, creating yoga t-shirts, like like yeah. different things unfolded for me yeah. that brought me happiness. Yes. And that's where, you know, I, I kind of say when the self-sacrifice model just isn't sustainable and it doesn't work. I have a very full plate and I can't I had no intentions of quitting my corporate gig and going full-time yogi or anything, but yes. guess what? When I was able to sprinkle some of the things that filled me up back into my life, more prosperity entered. And that blew my mind. I was like, all this time I chased the success. And really all I had, I had to let the success just like flowed in rather than me like pushing it in. Yeah, it's trying to fit uh, square pegs in round holes, trying to make something happen. And when you stepped back, it just, it showed you a different way that there were other options possibly. Yeah. Awesome. Now, career women often feel like we need to make sacrifices to have highly successful careers. But unfortunately, what often gets sacrificed is our family, our health, or just existing in what you call the overs and the unders, which I love this part of the book. Mm-hmm. We were overworked, overstressed, overwhelmed, undervalued, underappreciated, and underestimated. So how do we become the proud owner of all aspects of ourselves and use that power of the word and after you've said the no, then we go to the and to claim our success and our happiness? No, I really feel that. Thank you for bringing in the the power of and because I feel like a lot of that starts there um, with this self-sacrifice kind of model that I think we've just kind of grown up. Like I thought it was normal. I was like, Absolutely. oh, this is what career women do. Work hard and you power through and you... And I might, yeah. I might mention you've also got four children, at four teenagers at this point. So, you know, as I yes, said in the beginning, you, you know, busy, doll. <laughs> yeah, they're 
was a lot going on. Yeah. So, but what I found is that my thinking had a lot to do with the stress I was putting on myself. Right. So you mentioned the end. So I was like, oh, I, I can either at this moment in time, like I felt like I always was wearing metaphysical hats. Like yes. right now I'm the corporate woman. Yep. Then I go home and I put on my mom hat. And so I had all these metaphysical hats and I never allowed myself to be whole. I never allowed myself to be a corporate woman. I never allowed myself to be a leader. I never allowed myself to be a mom all at the same time. Right, right. It was like an, it was like an awe. You had to be in this domain or another domain. Right. And when I finally like just got frustrated with that feeling of that polarizing feeling, I said, enough. I am a good mom and I'm a corporate badass. Like I am a yogi and I'm this, I'm all of these things. I'm, and I felt like this expansion almost come out of me. Like, like, wow, I'm all these things. And I, and then there, a confidence comes. So this, I love that this is the confidence podcast because we can talk about that. So once you, once you go into your, and your confidence increases because you don't have to hide yourself. Yes. Right. And then, so for me, how I pulled myself out of the unders and the overs was expressing all of who I am and not being ashamed for it. If I needed to leave at four or five, because I had to attend a, you know, a play or something, something. a school function, I was proud to leave. I'm like, my baby girl is playing today. (laughs) We're like, there might have been some some older versions of me that would still leave, but it would be like, I'll make up this time tomorrow. Yes. Like, that's what I mean by self-sacrifice. There's always yeah. like, I'll do this and then there'll be some makeup for it. No, yeah, I'm a mom. Yeah. I'm, I do great at my job and I'm also going to see my daughter's play. Yes. So Yeah. Because it's like the guilt rises, doesn't it? And it's just, it's it does. especially on mums, I believe, just whether it's mother nature's innate way of making us keep our children safe or something. I don't know what it is, but we've all experienced it. And it's trying to just feel that feeling and then sort of rationalise through it and go, you know, I know this feeling is just that mother instinct and trying to do it all and I've got to be at the play and I've got to do this and I've got to be at the thing and, I'm oh, my God, my God. And usually with the work thing, it's like, oh, I've put in 100 hours, you know, in the last three months every week, but I'll try and make this up and do more hours for the two hours I'm going to have off to, you know. It's crazy, but it's that it's trying to say that that guilt's sort of a natural feeling initially, but then you've got to work through it and not just buy into it and just work your way through to go, you know what, I can be a mother and it's totally fine that I'm leaving an hour or two hours early and show the importance to my daughter who's on a going to be on stage tonight that I'm there and I, I can be that person. Yes. And you want to be there present. You like to to just further go into what, if you don't mind me double clicking into that a little bit is like sometimes, and I spent a lot, I I wrote in this in the book too. Like I, I missed out on some of my motherhood because I would still be at those things, but I wouldn't be at those things emotionally connected because I was thinking, Oh, work, I got to do this. And doing emails on your phone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Doing the email, all of it. Yeah. And it wasn't fair to my daughter. It wasn't fair to me. Yeah. And that's when I started realizing that 
not only about the and, but I needed to start prioritizing myself. And I don't know if you want to go down that path here in a minute, but yeah, prioritizing myself. I mean, I was at the bottom of the list when I was on the bathroom floor. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Still just trying to cope. Yeah. And that's, it leads right straight in because my next question was about that. I loved the idea uh, in the book about knowing about the difference between structure and rules, which we talked quickly before we joined. We're both structure women. I love structure. <laughs> love structure. <laughs> I love clarity and structure and here we go. And then I've never looked at it in that difference to what there's structure and then there's rules. And I think you said in the book you're a, you know, you're a bit of a, a rule breaker by, by mm-hmm. nature. But knowing the difference there to activate our self-worth and understanding the order in which we prioritize ourselves in relation to these other areas of our lives. So how do we do that? What, how do we sort of see that? Or, I mean, when you're on the bathroom floor, the order's pretty clear, but sometimes we, when we're still coping, when we're in that middle bit of it's not mm-hmm. working, but I'm just going to keep working harder to see if it will work better, which probably never happens. How do we find this? How do we work out this, this order in the structure? So I, and I I love that you're bringing up structure and rules because I think rules are something that should always be looked at and objectified. Does it still fit? I mean, we have so many rules that are been around for centuries or we have a company that was established 30 years ago and, you know, the times were a lot different. So I look at rules as a, as something like, is it, are they trying, I don't like control. Like, are they trying to control me? (laughs) Are they trying to put me in a box? I don't want to be in a box, Yeah. but I like structure. Yeah. And so I kind of like to challenge both and ask myself, like, is this structure? Like I believe building a house on a, on a strong foundation is very important. But if you told me I only had to have white windows and I wanted black, I'm like, that's a rule. (laughs) That's not structurally going to impact anything. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) I want black windows. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of how I like to say it to people. Is it like, is it something that could, you know, change or is it really something that you need to, to, to build upon? But as far as, you know, prioritizing, I think it's really in something that you could do is just choice. And I say that because choice is so powerful and it goes back to that personal power. We have so much more choice. Yeah. And what goes on than we even believe is possible. And I say that because what I learned, and then I had some reinforcement, I do coaching and stuff too. And whether I've been in coached or I'm coaching, I realized that choice is so powerful. Yeah, Choice either serves us or it sabotages us. And we don't often pause enough to ask ourselves, is this choice I'm making serving me or is it harming me or making me small? Or, you know, is is there some aspect where it's weakening who I am as a person? Yeah. And I think that's oftentimes how we could stop ourselves before we get to the bathroom floor is to start asking us is what we're doing serving us. Yeah. And seeing that the, when we are at the bottom of the list that's actually it's probably not helping anyone really it's not the best way I mean you know there's so many times you know they've said mothers have to look after themselves first but we get caught in that trap of keep working keep working make it to the recital make it to the thing oh my boss wants it and now they're asking me to attend another meeting and it's on and it's on and it's on and it's on 
that you just don't stop to go, I'm actually not being effective at much at all here. And the kids do feel it and the the job sometimes does feel it. You know, it's like you can't keep going because you generally are going to fall into a heap anyway at some point or need time off because you're ill or it's going to head that way. So it's trying to, as you say, catch that before it it ends in disaster and mm-hmm. and realise that really putting yourself at the higher up the priority list is what actually helps everything. That was the flip the script moment right. for me. Yeah, yeah. Is when I had some time practicing, you know, starting to put in boundaries, yes. bringing in my the power of and, and I had a little bit of weight, uh, you know, I had a little bit of time to know like, okay, I'm going in the right direction. And this prioritizing my th- myself is really good. I started to analyze that. And that's when I created the ladder of self-worth for my own framework. Yes. And then I realized that it really helped other people too. Yeah. Is that when I was on the bathroom floor, I say there's five rungs to the ladder of self-worth for a thriving life. So that would be yourself first, universe second, the um, intimate relationships. Yeah. Some people don't have kids. So like for me, it was my husband and my kids, but, and you know, parents and stuff, but I like to say intimate relationships because everyone has different lives. And then fourth, other people. And then fifth would be your beliefs. Like I chased a belief, which was really noble, putting yes. people, you know, people yeah. before profits. That's what I was running <laughs> after, right? Yes. But it ended up harming me because yeah. I put a belief as a priority above myself. Right. So beliefs, money, career, all of that should be fifth, which sounds is really, some people are going to be like, that's just not true. But I can tell you from experience, and then Jody, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this mm. too. But when I was able to give myself permission to put myself first, the most incredible things happen. Yeah. I was able to be, I was able to have the confidence to say what I needed yeah. and to stand by it. And the more that I did that, the more, like, I remember walking into the home one day, finally, like getting this formula a little bit more correct. And my husband just approached me with a hug. The kids Mm. came up to me and were like, mom, let me tell you about your day. And I was present for it. And then I saw my relationship start deepening again. And then I felt more joy. And when I felt more joy, I did better at work. And when I did better at work, another opportunity came and I was able to say yes to that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it it almost seems counterintuitive. So I'd like to hear like your experience with that too. Yeah, well, I guess I've, from a confidence point of view, I just know, and especially with the women I coach, and it's a lot of corporate women trying to take their careers to the next level or trying to work it all out, when they're missing that confidence or when they're just working to survive and they don't feel good about themselves and they don't feel like they're actually achieving in, in anything and it just chips away piece after piece it takes away from the, and then they feel guilty when they do this they feel guilty when they do that they can't make it to this they don't feel like they're achieving at work and it's like coming from all angles but really the that core and you know we talk about confidence as the foundation for anything you want to achieve in your life because if that's missing or if you're in a relationship that's just chipping away at you piece Mm -hmm. by piece by piece by piece it's so hard to just be happy in your life it's so hard to achieve in your life it's so hard to do anything because it's almost like you're trying to 
Actually, I spoke with a podcast guest last week and we we're talking about it's like trying to hold a beach ball underwater and it's exhausting because it's, exa- it's so exhausting. It's trying to be someone you're not. But when you can take back some of that power and stand up for yourself and put boundaries back into place and be doing the things in your life that you want to do, you can release the beach ball. <laughs> you can just be yourself and sure, people, not everyone's going to like you, but you know, that's okay. But when you have that freedom, you can go in and enjoy your work on your terms. You can be with your family on your terms. You can have those intimate relationships that, you know, make you feel good and expand your world on your terms. That's when I think the power comes back. But if you're missing that, it's like I say it's the spiral down. You're going down the wormhole and there's no light at the end of this tunnel. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you said the confidence is the foundation because I really believe that too. Like once, like I said, once I was able to create almost like a pattern, like I started believing, I stood up for myself a couple of times. Yeah. I saw the outcomes of the deepening of the relationships. It did increase my confidence. And I was like, yeah. I got this, Yes, yeah. you know, I got this. And then I was, your vibration kind of increases yes. your, your vantage point changes and yet And that's when I knew, like, even though I had considered maybe having that job work out at a certain point, then I knew I was like, I'm just not in alignment. Yeah. And when the next opportunity came in, I was not in a place of my weakness. I was in the place of my strength. Yeah. And that's why I say like prosperity comes in once you're able to connect back with your confidence. I think. I don't think I know self-worth and net worth are connected. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I love that you're saying, and it's a point I want to bring to the top, that it took some practice. It is, it's a new way of doing things, saying no, saying and, saying, you know, I'm not going to take on that project. I'm not going to come to that meeting. (laughs) Starting to do this is going to feel strange and clunky and you're going to feel guilty and all these emotions are going to come up but you've got to keep going because it is practice. You're, you're literally, I've actually, I actually recently, I've just hurt my wrist just my, on my right hand. So I've started trying to brush my, t- and I love, I love a neural pathway conversation, but I'm t- trying to brush my teeth with the other hand. It is so difficult. It is so, <laughs> uh, the amount of times I've nearly had the toothbrush up my nostril, it's like, oh my God. But I know that if I just keep going, the brain connections will start, it'll start to form and I won't have a a toothbrush up my nostril. But that's the same with anything like this. When you're changing and doing things differently, it's going to feel weird and clunky and you're going to stuff it up initially, but you've got to practice. You've got to just have those words, like we are saying before, have those no words in a different phrase that makes you feel comfortable initially. And I actually said to this lady, I said, I practice with the salespeople that come, you know, that knock on your door to sell you an electricity thing or what have you. I practiced saying a no with them. I can really say no and I don't want to buy their thing. But instead of that, oh, I'm not, not, not today. And then they come back with another quit. You know, I say, no, thank you. And they'd look at you because they don't get that straight answer very often and so I just really practiced with people at the door uh no thank you and then they'd try to say can I and I'd go um I've been really clear in my communication my answer is no and there's nowhere to go (laughs) there's no but it took me so long to practice that with poor salespeople that came to my door to then have be okay with saying that in other areas of my life it's no thank you that's my choice. That's that's my answer. 
you don't have to justify it. You don't have to do, you know, that's my answer, but you've got to practice. You've got to build up to that point. Yeah. And I love the, I love everything that you're saying and even using, I like neuropathway conversations too, but just using the example of your wrist. Right. And if, if we were bringing this to one of the listeners lives and they're like, Oh, I don't know if I really want to change my question back is okay. Well, how painful is what you're going through? Do you want to keep feeling that pain? So if you weren't open Jody to using your left hand, yep. Your brain is going to say, my right hand actually is, is the one that should be doing this. But when you go to use your right hand, it hurts. It hurts. Yep. It's painful. So you have to use your left hand yep. and start practicing to relieve the pain of the right. Yep. And I just say that, you know, that what you just said was uh, summarized so perfectly for a listener. If you were applying that lesson to your life, you know, you could keep going on the way that you're going, mm-hmm. but eventually the pain is going to be yep. um, unbearable. Yep. Like Jody's right wrist, yes. the pain becomes unbearable and you have to use your left and it's just going to take some practice. Yeah. So if you're not wanting to experience the unbearable pain, mm. you can start practicing with some of these tools. Yeah, absolutely. And saying no thank you to salespeople at the door is a great place to start. That's awesome. Because <laughs> they don't care really, you know, they're on to the next house anyway. They're expecting, they're yeah. even expecting a, a good no. As you would know from being a great salesperson, they're expecting no's. You expect oh, a no. I've had know. many no's. Yes, that's <laughs> right. many no's. Now the last question in the book I want to talk about was the – I was drawn to the section in your book that said you created your fan club to stay confident, which is something we discuss as a vital ingredient for women building their confidence all the time. So why do you feel that this is important and what should we consider when building our own fan clubs? So to answer the first thing, the reason you should have a fan club first is because we second guess ourselves, even oh, yeah. confident women, second, yes. we second guess ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what I, I realized that truth about myself. I'm like, I, I just got my confidence. I just got my clarity, but I know I'm going to slip up. Yes. You know? yeah. And, and it was knowing that about myself, that I was prepared to build myself a fan club. I'm like, I want to bring in three women in my life yeah. who our friends, but they're, and I would say when you're building yourself a fan club and you should, if you're listening, you know, if you want to stay confident in an area, find two or three people that understand your, your brightness. Yes. Right? They, they see you, they really see you and understand you, but maybe also understand what you're trying to do. So when I built my fan club, when I needed to keep my confidence up, mm-hmm. I chose women who saw me for me, but also understood my corporate path. Yes. Right. And understood where I was going so that if I was talking to someone who maybe saw me, but didn't understand the path that I was trying to take, I might not get the support I needed to stay confident. Yes. Yeah. They might be second guessing me too, or second guessing my choices or because they just don't understand. So when you're building a fan club, build a fan club in the direction that you're going. Oh, I you know. love that. Yes. Who are helping you, the future you, be the future you. The future you. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. that's great. I love it. Okay, so we finished every episode with six questions we ask every guest. So, Becca, what do you wish every woman knew? That you are already 
whole, complete, confident, and beautiful. You don't need to change anything. Yes, I love it. Great. And what is your superpower? Although I have a feeling you have many, but pick one. Um, the one that's coming to me right now is being connected with passion. Oh yeah. Love it. Yeah. Awesome. And we've got a shoe thing going on as you might've seen. (laughs) So when, when are you the most confident in heels or flats? Well, we have had (sighs) snow boots, Wellington boots, uh, bare feet. We've had a few other additions to that. So (laughs) I would say nowadays I would go flats but definitely the 30 year old version of me would have been heels all day and even like my book cover has flats and heels because it's both yeah 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 (laughs) we've got a stiletto I don't know if you can see in the uh the back there but we've got a stiletto on our book because it was like this whole heels thing but yeah no I love that I loved when I saw the cover of your book with the heels like oh yeah that's and it's red so that speaks my language of course (laughs) Uh absolutely your favorite quote or rule that you live by I right now the the Einstein one is coming to me like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results and I also think that fits with the framework of this conversation yes pretty well too absolutely yeah that's a good one Uh, who inspires you and why oh who inspires me and why I have I'm inspired by a lot of people, but recently I think that I, I'm going to default to my kids as they become their own adults. My yeah. son's going to be 18 in a couple of days and my daughter's 20. I've just seen them become adults and start building their own resolve and have their own opinions. And it's just really it's it's inspiring to me to watch them come into their own. Awesome. Yeah, it is. And finish this sentence, if I had even more confidence than I do now, I would? Rule the world. Yeah. <laughs> I would be doing so many things. I would be writing more books and yep. going on stage and just trying to do everything I can to empower women, which I'm already doing, but yeah. at a much bigger scale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just keep the journey going. Have you been asked about the second book yet? I know when I released my first book, the questions I started to get asked was, when's your next book? I was like, I've just finished the first. Like, I don't know why that's an all. Jody, yes, everyone's asking. I'm like, I'm like, really? I planned on promoting this one for like a year. I know, I know. <laughs> it was like my my first one I said was, it's really like my third child because birthing that book was as pretty much as hard as the first two. Jody, I gave birth to that book for 18 months. I know, <laughs> I know. It's, it's full on, I know. So, yes, yeah, so there you go. But, yeah, it sounds like you're on your way and I'm sure whatever opportunity comes your way, you'll you'll have built this foundation, which we've been using the foundation and the structure of your confidence to be able Mm -hmm. to say yes. I'd love to finish this episode with a quote from your book that really resonated with me and I think is going to be a lovely finish to to our conversation today. So the quote this end of in the end of your book it says As I took on the role of CEO of my own life, I found that self-acceptance helped me to keep it simple. I could work at Cisco and accept myself. I could write a book and accept myself. I could royally screw up and accept myself. My purpose is no longer tied to an ideal or another person. I've learned that that is the recipe for disaster and takes me much further away from my life thriving. 
I now understand that I am constantly evolving and to cut myself a break if I need one. And I love that quote because I think your journey of self-acceptance through the book was, you know, such a key theme. And it's really something we all need to keep remembering and bring to the forefront. So thank you for this beautiful book. Thank you for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and your stories. And I wish you every success with with the book. And we can't wait for the next one, Becca. (laughs) I'll get on that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jodi, for having me. It was a great conversation. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch with us or visit risewomen.com. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal. And we do that by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember, with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now. Bye.